What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Plant Powered People podcast with your hosts, Tony Okamoto and Michelle Kane. Today, we're bringing on Josie. She is a vegan mama who's going to talk to us all about having a healthy, awesome vegan pregnancy. Being plant-based as an individual has its own challenges, but when you have a baby, it can bring on so many unsolicited comments and opinions. And today we talk with Josie Steiger about how she handled all of that and went on to have a very successful pregnancy and healthy baby. Welcome, Josie. Hi, thanks for having me. I would love for you to start by telling us a little bit about your early childhood. Where were you born? Where where did you grow up? What was your family like? Uh, what types of foods did they eat? Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Well, I was born in Wyoming, so it doesn't get much less vegan than that. I moved around different places in Wyoming until I was 13 and uh, moved to several other states, but food was not very fun in my house. I specifically remember that um, we would have essentially the same meal every day for dinner. And it was canned green beans, which I could not stand. It was the driest brown potatoes. And it was either what feels to me like grade F chicken thighs, or if we got creative, it was pork chops. Was it like potatoes from a box? Not from a box. That was too fancy for us. It seems <laughs> like it'd be nice, right? That you'd have a fresh potato, but for some reason, it was just the driest, grossest. And I don't think we even had ketchup. I just remember it was really gross. You know, like I said, I grew up in a rural area. It's all rural, but um, some of it's more rural than others. So the town that I lived in until I was 13 had 180 people in it. And we had a house and it had a big yard. And we also had like another side lot next door. And so we always had a ridiculous amount of cats and dogs. But then we also had at various points in times, different kinds of animals that we would raise for food. And this would be either rabbits or at one point there was pigs, there were goats. We didn't eat the goats, but, you know, we'd have their milk. We had horses, obviously didn't have, eat them, but, and lambs. So chickens, turkeys, geese, I mean, really, you name it. And what I remember about that was even from a really young age, I always really loved animals, which strange was, you know, Wyoming, big hunting, big ag. It wouldn't be uncommon to see someone who had killed a deer and they would put it in their front yard to dress it, which is a nice way of saying, you know, to butcher it after, you know, it'd be, it'd be slaughtered already, but you know, get all the organs and whatever out and turn it into food. And I have a lot of really terrible, distinct memories of animals being slaughtered. I was supposed to participate in some of those and I would cry and I never actually did um, because I was so quote unquote sensitive, but it really had an effect on me, especially like in later years. But it was hard because I was always just, you know, I was supposed to, on one hand, we had all these dogs that we loved, but on the other hand, I'm supposed to, you know, do nothing while the sheep that I raised is being slaughtered, or I'm supposed to pluck the feathers from a chicken that I had known. At which point did you start recognizing those feelings? A lot of what I remember, as I said, was kind of being pulled in these two directions. So, you know, my mom always said, oh, I love animals. And so I think I picked that up from her. But at the same time, this was the person who was involved in, you know, slaughtering these animals. And I don't have a specific 
remembrance of what age it was, but I do remember being introduced to PETA at one point in time. And uh, it was probably through like, I don't even know, but I was probably between eight and 10 years old. And what I do recall is that PETA was trying to tell you that you should write letters to certain people asking to stop hurting animals. And I didn't understand completely what that meant, but I remember um, writing letters to addresses that PETA had provided. Again, I have no idea how I got this information in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming in the 90s. And one thing I recall specifically is is PETA had said, write your letters on bright colored paper so they'll stand out. (laughs) And so that's what I remember. So when I was in seventh grade, I met a girl who was wanted to go vegetarian and she was newer to our town. So for a little period of time, I went vegetarian. But again, I didn't understand it completely. And then I remember this is really funny to me now. It makes perfect sense. My dad lived in Idaho. And so I'd go and spend time with him in the summers. And then I lived with him for a school year when I was in high school. And they always served meat. And quietly, I had stopped eating meat and no one noticed. And finally, at some point in time, I had mentioned that I was no longer eating meat and they got mad at me and they were like, got in trouble. This is at school? No, at my dad's house. I'm sorry, at which age? I was probably 15, 15 or 16. So, you know, like I, I wasn't vegetarian from the time I was 13 to 15 or whatever, but there was these points in time when I would kind of get some more information and try it. But I think it's so funny. Deep in your roots, the world was against you making this decision. (laughs) Like from the beginning, you're seeing violence against animals and you're like, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I don't want it. Somehow on your own, you get exposed to the information. You realize vegetarian is a thing. Mm -hmm. You try it. And then your parents are like, no. Your dad's like, no. (laughs) Yeah. I know Michelle, she became vegetarian when she was eight. And she's talked about that on the podcast. And her parents supported her by not making her eat meat, but kind of said, you're on your own, do this. But I think that for the most part, your situation, the situation that you had with your dad is more common. I know I've received some messages from young kids who are crying in their bedroom because they don't know who else to reach out to, but this stranger on the internet, because her parents said, you must eat meat if you live under my house or else starve. What what I eat is what you eat. You're the kid. And I just can you explain more about how that made you feel and what you did in those moments? In my house, it was there was a lot of do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, do as I say, not as I do. So any kind of pushback. I was always my parents, even though they had different marriages, like they separated when I was really young, they had these parallels in certain ways. And they never explained things to me. It was just like, you're in trouble. Like, I remember, you know, when I came to an age when I realized that my religious beliefs were not the same as my dad's, and I was around 10, and when he found that out, instead of, like, talking to me and, you know, like, trying to, like, feel that out, like, I was in trouble. That was just the response, you know? There was no, like, working through the situation or support at all. I think that's just kind of how both of my parents were at the time, probably still are. (laughs) Did that make you rebellious? Did Did that make you feel like... Now I'm going to be a vegetarian because you don't want me to. One thing I can say, I don't know specifically about the vegetarian issue because I had a lot of things going on in my house at the time. So it was kind of like, it was pretty rough for me growing up in a lot of different ways. So it was just like one of like a bunch of other things. But I think all the time that I, you know, the whole time that I was, you know, growing up, I just, I always felt different and I couldn't really put a finger on it. And it wasn't until later that it like, I was like, it's okay that I'm different, you know, but for that period of time up until like my twenties, when I started discovering people that had more things in common with me, I just felt pretty isolated. 
I wish we had known each other when we were kids. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been so nice. (laughs) I also found PETA was my first exposure to any, like, organism, anyone beyond me as a vegetarian. I was like, whoa, there's a group out there. Like, there's resources I can turn to, but no one in my life was vegetarian, no other kids. It was just, like, a very much to stick with something like that when you're that young, like when you're a a little kid or a teenager, especially you're going through so many other changes, takes an incredible amount of just like personal willpower, but also like you just have to grow a thick skin because you're doing something that the world around you not only isn't doing, but also sometimes actively tries to get you not to do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, But lots of perspectives that you get to gain and implement in your own parenting, eh? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So did that stick? Did the vegetarianism stick when you were 15? No, honestly, I did these bouts of, of vegetarianism throughout my 20s. And honestly, nothing stuck until I went vegan when I was 28. The biggest thing that why it didn't is because I had this feeling like my whole life that I didn't like eating animals, but I didn't realize that at the time, like you don't need any other like excuse than I don't like eating animals. And I didn't arm myself with information. I think I was afraid to, like I knew animals were killed, but I really didn't have an idea of factory farming. I remember at one point in my 20s, I was given some kind of booklet by like a leafleter um, when I was you know, living in Seattle. And I kept that leaflet in my car, but I refused to look at it. And I would try and, you know, like I'd go for a while and then I'd either like get drunk and eat a hot dog. Then like people would always pressure me into eating meat. And since I didn't, hadn't armed myself with that information, I didn't feel like I could say, no, I don't want to, you know, or, you know, or, or they'd be like, come on, you know. Living in Seattle seems pretty vegan friendly, at least in 2018. But yeah. <laughs> at the time, was it? Did you have any vegan friends? No, absolutely not. And um, when I, you know, so I moved to Sacramento when I was 28. I lived in Seattle and the area from the time I was like 18 to, I don't know, 26. And you also lived in Austin, right? Yeah. And that's very vegan friendly. So my husband's from Seattle and he's been vegan for like 23 years. So he would say it's, you know, like he would know more about the vegan scene then. For me, I have the same friend group probably as uh, your husband, Mitch, which are like the vegan straight edge people. And those were my people in Seattle. So when I think about Seattle, I think, oh my gosh, it's so vegan friendly. What I was going to say is like the few vegans I had met were ex-vegans. So they'd be like, oh, I was vegan for a while and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But because they were probably ex-vegans, they weren't like advocating it. And then I do recall at one point in my early 20s, I um, had met this girl and she invited me over to like a like an orphan Thanksgiving. And she had mentioned that there was going to be some vegan folks there. I was like, oh, okay, great. And we were all bringing, it was potluck style. So I specifically made vegan mashed potatoes and I brought it over and me, you know, I've been vegan seven years now. Anytime anyone makes like the smallest gesture towards, you know, like, I mean, even if I weren't vegan and someone had made me food, I would be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. However, this couple was like not (laughs) friendly at all. And it sounds so funny to say it, but it's like when you only have a few touches with people you know, I've only had knew a few vegans and they were all ex-vegans. And then the two I met were not very kind. Like it didn't do much for, you know, like inspiring me to like want to look more into this issue, you know, let that be a word of warning. (laughs) Seriously, for all those listening, all you plant powered people who you want to inspire, like the best thing you can do is just be kind, kind, happy people. (laughs) 
And I totally get that it's hard to, when you know about all like the violence and terrible things, like I feel that. And I know it's really, really hard to stay positive and be kind, but I do believe that is like the best form of advocacy. So you moved to Sacramento and then? So I moved to Sacramento and I was, at that point in time, I was vegetarian and had been sticking to my guns for a while. I think I had a good stretch of vegetarianism, I should say. And then I was here maybe about almost exactly six months. And that's when I met my now husband. So we had just barely started seeing each other. And this is so funny because we had met through a mutual friend and that mutual friend like was on Facebook. So then I was like, oh, I should look him up. And you know, we had just met or whatever. So I looked him up and friended him and he has a big tattoo on his stomach that says vegan. And I remember like as a vegetarian at the time, and this was again, seven years ago, I was like, oh, that seems really extreme. Like, <laughs> like veganism seems really extreme to me. But we started seeing each other and he did not push anything on me at all. He just led by example. And so we went on a few dates and there was a completely vegan restaurant that was near his house that we had gone to. And I was like, I was like, the food is really good. And I know that you guys have probably heard this story before, but I, it's kind of like the story I'm known for as far as veganism. <laughs> so I started getting interested in veganism, but I had just started dating Mitch. And so I started reading about it and learning about it on the down low. Even though I really liked him, I wasn't sure where our relationship was going. And I didn't want him to think that I was only doing this because like I was trying to impress this new dude. So I went vegan. What I did is I remember, I remember really well that it was around like the beginning of July and um, that I had decided to do this. And I went to the local foods co-op and I got a copy of Veg News, (laughs) which is a vegan publication. It's a vegan uh, magazine for those of you who don't know. It's great. And I really liked it because it had like, it was like the tone was really light and fun and had great recipes. And I kind of treated all of this as an adventure. So I was like, ooh, look at all this different food I get to try. Because I always liked trying different food, but did that and also told myself, you don't have to do this overnight. And I didn't even know anybody who was like advocating. I just told myself that rule, like you don't have to do this overnight. And I didn't commit myself to it 100%. I said, let's see how this goes for like the next month and try by August to to be 100% vegan. And I knew that there was probably situations that I wasn't thinking of, but like where vegan, like I think I'd ordered vegan and and I'd realized there was egg in there or how to handle social situations. So I just let myself be open to it really. And one thing I remember really specifically was during this time, was like I had ordered from rice and beans from this uh, Mexican restaurant and it was a to-go order and I picked it up and I was like, okay, there's no lard in the beans. Like, is the rice vegetarian? Ask some questions. They're like, yes. And so I was like, great. And then I get home and I opened it up and it's covered in cheese. (laughs) (laughs) So I just, and I just like let myself learn like, okay, now I know that to be specific and ask, make sure I don't ask for, ask for no cheese. I just was really kind to myself. And within two weeks, I had realized that like I was eating 100% vegan. And at that point in time, I told Mitch, I was like, I have something to tell you. And he's like, what? Like going on, you know? And I'm like, "Um, I'm vegan. And he's like, oh. (laughs) Like I, I felt like he was underwhelmed. He's like, do you have any questions or anything? And I was like, um, you know, I had, I had a few things that I'd saved up for him. But uh, 
that was it. And I'll tell you his story too, if you want to hear it. Yes. Okay. I'll be quick. He was 17 living in Burien, Washington, which is a suburb of Seattle. And uh, a girl in one of his classes did an essay on animal testing. And he was like blown away. Like this was a kid that like ate hot dogs and like never had a vegetable. And overnight he went vegan. And he's been vegan for almost 24 years. And his mother was convinced that he was going to die. And so she like read as much as she could about it so that she could convince him not to be vegan. And instead she went vegan. (laughs) And then also at some point in time, my sister-in-law, who's two years older than him, was already like vegetarian. And at some point in time during all that, she went vegan too. So were you interested in learning more about veganism because you were inspired by Mitch? Yeah, absolutely. And I honestly didn't really know about factory farming. Yeah, and finally you met a friendly vegan. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's it. And, and like, he, You're my first friendly vegan. <laughs> exactly. And he didn't try to push it on me. Like I said, he just really led by example. And um, I remember the, one, the first question I asked him was like, are you hungry all the time? Because I had this idea in my mind that like all you eat is lettuce because we know that's the stereotype and you're just like starving all the time. And for those of you out there that aren't vegan yet, that's not true. Yeah, I think it's it's also really interesting. It's something Michelle and I have talked about before, dating someone and not expecting them to be vegan already, but leading by example and maybe inspiring someone along the way. Yeah, I think his response to when you told him he went vegan really speaks to probably how he treated you the whole time. Non-pushy, not expecting anything, and just being like, oh, cool, you came to that on your own. Awesome. But like, he already respected you as a human being. That wasn't like a necessary step in order for him to like you or love you or whatever. Like, yeah, that's so cool. And the other thing is that with, um, you know, even if you're not vegan or or you at this point in time, can't imagine ever going vegan. Like you can share a vegan meal with somebody. (laughs) And that's, you know, like when we were going out, we were eating vegan together. And um, sometimes I run into people that just like, can't like, can't imagine that they'd have to eat a vegan meal. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, it's like people who came to my wedding were like, we're going to have to go eat beforehand. I'm like, it's one meal, Mm -hmm. one night and it's going to be delicious. But no, people can't wrap it around their heads. Yeah. I had the same issue. (laughs) So what was your Wyoming family thinking at this time when you're already embracing a vegan lifestyle and dating another vegan? I've always been like the black sheep of the family. And so I think they've already had a lot of different judgments about me anyway. This is probably one more thing. I have like my brothers. I have two older brothers who are very, uh, like, they go, they hunt. They're very much the opposite of me. And one of them actually raises his own animals and, like, names them and loves them and then kills them, which is really hard for me to wrap my head around because he really enjoys the animals. I know that from conversations with him, but then he will slaughter them. And that's that's hard for me to understand on any level. But then I have another brother who, I mean— it's unfortunate because his mind is just so closed off to it that it wouldn't matter what I said about it. Like, I just realized, like, some people's minds can't be changed. Well, also, like, think about if they grew up in the same situation you did. Like, you had resisted as a s- small kid having to participate in killing the animals. But especially in our culture, like, as boys, they were probably told, you know, like, man up, get this done. And, like, if you learn from a small age to close off your heart to those things, which you have to if you're going to participate in it. Yeah, it can just change you as a person, I think. I think because I'm female, I think I was naturally excluded from hunting. It's not that 
a woman couldn't do anything that they a man could do. I don't want to encourage the women to hunt, <laughs> but I think that that was kind of like the socialization, which makes sense living in a rural area, you know? So I probably already had that intrinsic feeling. And also, like you said, like I wasn't, you know, expected to just quote unquote man up. Yeah. It's interesting though. Some of the people in my life who were the most opposed to ever going vegan would dangle meat in my face and stuff were then the people who ended up the like going there. And I think probably with your, like if, if, if you have that heart for animals, but have closed off that part of your mind that, that has to enable you to take actions that are not aligned with that feeling, you've just like closed the door and locked it. And I feel like that's accessible somewhere for people. It's who knows if it ever will be accessed, but Jesse, I'm curious if they were respectful to you, you know, they have differences of opinions but were they respectful of your decision or did they make fun of you? Or like Michelle said, dangle meat in front of your face. Actually, someone threw meat at Michelle, which I was so shocked at. Well, okay. So I was 28 at the time. I'm living in California. Both my brothers live in Wyoming. I don't even know at what point in time they became aware. We're not super close, but my oldest brother, the one that, you know, does raise animals, he, his wife, I saw them when I was pregnant about a year ago and they were super nice in, in like trying to make sure like that there was vegan food and offering to make vegan recipes, which is really awesome. I don't know for sure, but my other brother did come to my wedding. I heard, but I don't know if this is an exaggeration that he refused to even try the food. So <laughs> yeah. his loss, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was there and it was delicious food. So definitely his loss. It, so <laughs> so uh, you mentioned that you were pregnant and uh, that's a perfect segue because Michelle and I brought you on specifically to talk about your vegan pregnancy. And I would love to know from beginning to end of pregnancy, how that process went. Like start off, you're pregnant. Go. Okay. Well, before I'm pregnant, I'm taking prenatal vitamins. That's like my little, <laughs> that's my little spiel to, to everyone. If you're trying to get pregnant, take prenatals. But I'm really, really fortunate because... Wait, are all prenatal vitamins vegan? Or no, that's it? a good point. So I took uh, Rainbow Light prenatals. I still take them because I'm still nursing my son and they're a vegan prenatal. And how long do you have to take those before you become pregnant? They recommend, I believe it's three months, but... I think they recommend like as soon as you start wanting to become pregnant, start taking them, you know, and it doesn't hurt anything. So, you know, when we decided to try to get pregnant from the start, I'm really fortunate. Mitch loves learning about nutrition. Like he's such a wealth of information. I feel like he'd almost be a registered dietitian himself. And he's like addicted to uh, nutritionfacts.org videos. So Dr. Gregor. Me too. (laughs) Shout out to Dr. Gregor. Woo. (laughs) So he was watching those like crazy. And I feel so fortunate that I had just a partner that was like really conscientious about me and our child just from the start. So he um, was really looking into like what I needed. And it's more of his forte. I'm capable of taking in that information. But when you have someone that enjoys that more, I was kind of like, tell me what, like, give me the, the, the Cliff's notes on it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy the amount of information you need to learn just to become pregnant and have a baby. Vegan aside, when Dan and I started thinking about having a kid, like I bought all these books on Amazon, none of them were vegan. And I still felt like I needed to read 5,000 pages of stuff just about how pregnancy works. Yeah. And I haven't even begun to touch the vegan layer of that. So I'm very curious. (laughs) You know, from the beginning, Nutrition is really important. 
And we're really fortunate in this country that we have access to information. And I know access is different for every um, It's not like across the board, everyone just has access. At least me personally, you know, I have access to information. I've been vegan for a while before getting pregnant. So I felt really comfortable in my ability. I wasn't in my ability to be like, I can have a healthy vegan pregnancy. You know, um, I think people that aren't very familiar are um, thinking, oh, I can be vegan, but I can't be vegan when I'm pregnant, or this is going to be bad for the baby. Or Did you talk to a doctor before you started trying to have a baby, or was a doctor part of your pregnancy planning? I don't think I talked to the doctor before. I know we talked to her. The way it works um, with, at least this has been my experience, when you get pregnant, you call your OBGYN, and they don't see you right away because sometimes there's false pregnancies, sometimes pregnancies end like really like so soon after that you don't even know that you're pregnant. So they said it's like six to eight weeks, somewhere around there. Six to eight weeks is when you go in and you get your first um, appointment. And then once they confirm that the pregnancy is, is going well, then they just like inundate you with a ton of questions and information. And at that point in time, that's when I let her know. And, you know, it was really, I'm really, again, I'm really grateful that I had the knowledge that I have because I was really shocked to find out that the doctor had really limited nutrition information. And I can't even remember, there were certain things where there's, um, I can't remember at the moment uh, what, what they were, but they were telling me that you could only get certain minerals or something from red meat. And it's like, for, well, that's not an option. And I looked into it and it's like, you could get the same element from peanut butter. And where were you looking? Where was I looking? Yeah, when you were looking into it, where exactly were you looking? Well, definitely like nutrition facts. But honestly, um, Google is like such a helpful resource. I wish it would come to me right now, but you know, I would just like look up sources of, let's just say, for example, it was protein, like sources of protein or vegan sources of protein or whatever. You know what I mean? Like just Google that. Yeah, a lot of people don't think about the fact that Google will always know more than your doctor. Absolutely. Like, no doctor can have all of the resources that are at your own fingertips. So being your own advocate for your health and looking up that information on your own is really powerful. I do have a friend who is a doctor who has a mug that I laugh at every single time I go into his house. And it says, Google is is not as powerful as my medical degree or something like that, which I, which I find funny. I do think it's really important to consult with someone who you feel comfortable in their knowledge because I can write a Google article, an article found on Google about pregnancy and I've never had a baby and I don't know anything. So when it comes to nutrition too, I mean, you should look at places that like can cite their sources, you know, not just uh, anecdotal evidence, you know. From the beginning, it was really good for me. I felt like this was a primer into parenthood because I had to be my own advocate. And I knew because I've, um, again, because I had that base of like, I've been vegan for a while. So I know that there's vegan sources of these things. And I also have talked to women who maybe were vegan, like I said, like just a little bit before their pregnancy and got pregnant and then like went off. And people tell me this, I might be going off topic a little bit here, but people say things like, my body just wanted meat. and I will tell you right now, the controversial, <laughs> I call BS on that because my body wants chocolate cake all the time. And, you know, I just don't, I don't just eat chocolate cake all the time, you know? <laughs> it's like, maybe your body wants protein. Maybe your body wants something else. But, you know, saying something like, my body needed meat. I, again, like I, I call BS. So before you got pregnant, you were pretty comfortable with the idea that it's possible to have a healthy vegan pregnancy and this is not going to harm my baby. Right. So you already had that foundation of knowledge. Yeah. And when people say things like, 
oh, you're going to harm the baby. That makes me really angry because if I thought that I were doing something that would be harmful to my baby, I wouldn't do it. And also, I find it really insulting because it makes me think, do you think that I'm not an intelligent person? (laughs) Do you think that I cannot take in information and make a sound decision for myself? And, you know, again, at this point in time, too, I feel like we have Google and places where we can see this information and facts and, you know, whatever you need to make a good decision. Yeah. And I love how if you're someone who's like driving through fast food every day as a pregnant person eating the crappiest food imaginable, no one gives a second glance. Uh, You can, yeah, especially you're like, oh, I've got cravings. I'm eating this crappy food, whatever. And it's just like, you do you. But the second you start feeding your body healthy vegetables and grains and fruits and nuts and seeds and all these whole foods that are delicious and healthy, people are like, wait a minute, are you doing the right thing for your baby. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) My doctor actually told me this heartbreaking, like, I don't know if statistics the right word, but women think that, oh, if my baby is big, that's a good thing. Right. And like, but women are having 12 pound babies. And first of all, my baby was eight pounds and five ounces. And that was, that was big, (laughs) but it's not that a a 12 pound baby, that doesn't necessarily mean you're having a healthy baby. What's happening is women's bodies. um, If I'm like relaying this correctly, can't process all the sugar. So like the baby basically is getting it and like they're they're going into like, you know, they're having like an insulin reaction, you know? So it's not healthy necessarily to have a big baby. I don't know how accurate this is, but I read an article saying that some babies are getting diabetes in the womb because their mamas are eating so much sugar. Yes. that And that's basically what I'm trying to say. You're just saying it better. <laughs> yeah. And it's sad. So, you know, what we put in our bodies matters, you know? And, you know, it's not like I ate perfectly during my pregnancy, but I don't think it's okay to eat cookies all the time. And, you know, like I, like I have to think about how is this, I mean, every day in a pregnancy, if you see those little, if you read the books, if you have an app that shows you what's going on in your baby's development each day when they grow, I mean, every day counts and everything that you put in can have effect on, you know, them developing well. Did you ever, with what you were hearing from your doctor and from people around you, did you ever have doubts or think, am I doing the right thing? Or you're just like, this is right. I know it. I'm forging ahead, which made it easier. Because I think a lot of people who are going through this maybe have less of a foundation. You had decades of time from when you're vegetarian and learning things and, and to you know have a husband that's schooling himself on nutrition. But I think a lot of people do have those feelings of doubt and how, if you've had those, how have you handled them? I didn't have those feelings of doubt, but I definitely understand how people can when people are, you know, telling you, you you know, like your doctor doesn't seem to understand that you. Yeah. Like authority figures are telling you. (laughs) Yeah. So I also should say that, so my husband is a lobbyist for workers' rights and a lot of what he does is research. So anytime we had a question about anything, like I could lean on him to research, you know, because that's, he's a professional researcher in some ways. I also should say, because we haven't yet, that I did um, this thing called concurrent care. So I did see a physician because I was insured through a physician, but I also saw a midwife at the same time. So midwifery is more open to vegetarianism and actually one of the godmothers of the midwifery movement, the modern midwifery movement advocates vegetarian eating in her books. Her name's Ina Mae Gaskin. And when I was reading her books, I realized what she was referring to vegetarian from everything she described was vegan. 
they have this place called the farm in Tennessee. So maybe there's some chickens that they'd have the eggs there or something. But from what I read, generally speaking, it was vegan. I'm curious. I feel like a lot of a lot of people who are vegan and plant-based and a little bit more, um, I don't know, conscious-minded, <laughs> maybe are exploring more alternative or different ways of like actually being a little bit thoughtful about their birth plan rather than just going the traditional route. So did you think about that before? And what was your vision? Like, how did you decide to go with a midwife? Does that Because I think you have to pay for that on your own, right? Like on top of everything. And what was your experience with it? Weird backstory. When I went to college, I went to Western Washington University in Bellingham, Washington, which is about an hour and 15 minutes north of Seattle. And there was this experimental college portion of the university where you could build your own degree. And I had already, when I was 18, I entered with, I already had an AA degree because I I did a program called Running Start, where long story short, I completed, I was able to get free community college while I went to high school in Washington State. But I was 18 and I went to college and I had to choose my major and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So for a semester, I uh, went to this experimental college and you could make your own degree and it was supposed to be based on your interests, but I was 18 and I had no idea what I was interested in. And they did offer a few pre-planned classes. And one of those classes I took was about pregnancy and birth. So I took this class and that's where I got the first like little bit of information about natural childbirth. And so fast forward, you know, 15 years later, whatever it is, I don't know very many people who have kids and the people that I do know, I didn't live close. So I wanted to look into this. I had a close friend who had just given birth not that long before I got pregnant, and she had a midwife. So that was starting to be in my mind. But when I told my husband about like my thoughts, initially, he, he like bristled. And so therefore, we started looking into it because, like I said, we researched things. And we watched a movie called The Business of Being Born. And it talks about basically... Well, the business of what goes into women, you know, giving birth in hospitals. I felt like I wanted to do things my way. I wanted it to be as natural a process as possible. And so I started looking into that. And yes, you do have to pay out of pocket for that. I have a medical expense reimbursement plan through my work. So I was able to be reimbursed for about half of it. But I think with copays and everything, I think that going with the midwife was cheaper than a hospital birth. So I, I don't, I'm i sure it's okay to say. I personally, um, I, I had midwifery care from, I think, the, the first trimester through, through after the birth. And um, I can talk about why midwives are awesome in a second. But And all of that, everything was about $5,000. And you, if I had a water birth, so I had a birthing tub in my home, and you do have to pay a few hundred dollars for the rental. So there's some other smaller costs involved. But when you look at a hospital birth, and I have insurance, but you know, insurance doesn't cover everything, and you know, there's different things. I believe this could be wrong, but I believe it's around twenty six thousand dollars, maybe more, for a hospital birth. What? I mean, not yeah. counting insurance, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. I know I can say for myself, but like I have the idea in my head that kids are extremely expensive. Like, what do they say? Like a million dollars over mm-hmm. their lifetime or something crazy. But I don't actually think about the immediate pregnancy cost slash birth cost. Yeah, it's crazy. And I do want to say the midwives were awesome because they came to my home. Like, I would have appointments at their office. 
you know, throughout, there's certain points throughout the pregnancy. They were on call. Like I could call them at any time of day. There were times when I got worried about a couple of things because I'm like, I've never been pregnant before. You know, is this normal? I could call them any time of day. After I had my son, they came to my house several days, weeks afterwards to make sure that I was still doing okay, which was huge because I'd go to my doctor's office and they'd want me in and out in 15 minutes. And no one seemed to like really concerned that I had questions or I was being brushed off. So I found like the level of care was really different. And I found that the midwives were just amazing. So did you try and find a midwife that was specifically tuned into vegan living or nutrition or health? Or did you try and find one that just like you resonated with on a personal level and figured you had that part kind of covered? It was kind of both, actually. So I did look to see. There is a, here in Sacramento, Sacramento Davis, you know, greater Sacramento area, there's a midwifery collective. So I looked and I can't remember, let's just say for sake of example, there were 15 or 20 midwives. And so um, I looked and I read their bios and I contacted the ones that seemed like a good fit. And then I was like going to interview them. I didn't see at that time that there were any vegan midwives or anyone that had mentioned any of that. Again, like a lot of them seemed familiar with vegetarianism, but I interviewed, I think she was my first one. So my midwife, her name is Fawn. And you know, I had it like, oh, I'm going to interview these three people. And Fawn is amazing. So she, at the time, so it's been another year now, at the time she'd been a midwife for 43 years <laughs> and she stopped counting how many babies she delivered after a thousand. And she was so calm and maternal and just took her time. And she's just awesome. And so like, I, I think I, out of kind of duty, I was like, I interviewed another midwife who was very nice as well. But the third one, I was just like, I already know I'm going with Fawn. <laughs> so I know that when you were pregnant, you had a hard time finding resources and you wrote some for plant-based on a budget. But which were some that you relied on heavily and that you took a lot of value in? Even though it's not a, like a vegan resource, I read a ton of books, even if they weren't vegan books. But I read Ina Inamay's Guide to Childbirth. That's Ina May Gaskin, the, like I said, the godmother, one of the godmothers of the midwifery movement. And uh, she also has one called Spiritual Midwifery. So that from like a physical, what's going on with your body level was really helpful. And then my favorite book and resource is Alicia Silverstone's The Kind Mama. It was like everything, it's a beautiful book, everything that she, um, you know, her, like it covers everything from nutrition to um, just like the, the birthing experience, philosophy. I really loved that. I also brought today to share. I love the Vegan Pregnancy Survival Guide by Sayward Repol. It's just like a little, like almost like novella. It's like 80 pages. She just kind of, it's a quick read, but it really covers all the bases that you need. And then the other one, I think Reed Mengels, Dr. Reed Mengels. I want to say it's the Everything Vegan Pregnancy Guide. And then someone had given me a copy of what to expect when you're expecting. And I would look at that just to kind of look at kind of general information. And what was missing from the internet? So what were things that you had to look deeper into because the resources that you were looking into did not cover those topics? That's a good question. I'm trying to think about, it's been a year. It'll be a year next week. Next week, my son will be a year old. So <laughs> I'm trying to recall specific things. I think that they were more, again, I felt confident in what I, in, like, in what I was eating. It was the right stuff. It was just a matter of maybe quantities sometimes. Your nutrition, 
you have to, your, you know, not your nutrition, I'm sorry, your protein intake, it raises like almost 50%. I can't remember the exact number, but say you need um, like 70 grams every day for your level of activity or whatever, then you need 100 grams. So it was making sure that I was getting that, but also trying to get like, you know, from different sources. So I'd be putting like nutritional yeast, which is um, actually pretty high in protein for the small amount you use all over everything and, you know, eating tons of peas. And my husband made this thing for me every day that he called a Steiger stew. <laughs> and it was all these, like, it was all these like beans, you know, and peas and nutritional yeast and, and different things in there. So that, um, that would have the exact amount of nutrition or, or excuse me, protein that I needed daily. You know, I would be eating oatmeal and then just a ton of fruit and stuff. What was your weirdest pregnancy craving? I'm so boring. Um, I did not have any weird cravings. The only thing, though, all I wanted to do was eat rice and beans, <laughs> like the whole time. So, so normal. Yeah. Also, but, you saved so much money. <laughs> I know. I, and it was funny because during my first and third trimesters, I really had a morning sickness really bad. I, you know, like I'd eat everything and then come back up and I'd feel so terrible. And the thing that really like, sometimes the only thing that made me feel better was the um, no chicken broth. So you you could get it. It wasn't even Amy's. It was like a powder that you could get at the bulk food section. And it tastes like chicken broth, but it's vegan. And so I would just like make, that was like the only thing sometimes that I could get down. So. And then I have a, a last question about formula. What did you end up doing about formula? I know at some point you were looking into it. Were you looking into it? No, I was looking into it and I asked you. So did you ever go the formula route? Yeah. So you might have to edit this out for length, <laughs> but I did not know ahead of time. Like I had read all the, the books and everything and I had gone to a La Leche League meeting to try to get familiar with breastfeeding. And I found out when my son was just a few days old that I was producing breast milk, but I wasn't producing enough breast milk. And so it's called low milk production. And that was something that was hard for me to find information on. Nobody, I could not find any information about this. And I think it's a pretty common thing, but no one was talking about it. So I was doing all the tr pumping to try to, trying to, to get, you know, my milk production to increase. But we ended up, luckily, I had looked into it ahead of time and we ended up going with Technically, at that time, there were no, which was only a year ago, there was no 100% technically vegan formulas. And the reason for that is because the vitamin D3 in all the formulas are sourced from sheep's wool. Otherwise, vegan, you know, soy-based or whatever, but it had that, that animal source in it. So I used, supplemented with Neocate. It's a Canadian company. It's more expensive but if you look on like if you look at vegan like formulas that's one that will come up and my son tolerates it well however i did hear recently that nestle is creating the first 100% vegan formula that's amazing Whoa. yeah yeah it makes me so happy <laughs> all the big company haters can settle down now yeah. cuz parents everywhere are like finally yeah. and it'll be accessible, imme accessible immediately that's awesome are they promoting it that way I don't know. I just like had seen like a clip and got excited. So I haven't seen anything else, you know, since then. But so were there other just kind of bumps in the road or struggles that you faced specifically with the vegan component of your pregnancy? You know, I did tell somebody this story today, which is that I realized that 
I can be the best example. I had a healthy pregnancy. I gained a normal amount of weight. My son is healthy and was born healthy, but I can be the best example that I want to be, but not everyone's going to see me as an example. Like they, if you don't want to see me as an example, you're not going to be. So I was talking to someone recently and they made this comment like, I can't believe, basically, I can't believe your son was healthy in spite of the fact that you were vegan. And I said, well, I think it's because I'm vegan. It's still going to take some time to, to combat those stereotypes and this information that people have. And I would just encourage people to do your research as much as possible. Reach out to you know online communities. There's a Facebook group called uh, Vegan Pregnancy and Parenting. They also now have a both a site called uh, Raise Vegan that has a print magazine as well. And so look into these. Don't just give up and look and look into these um, like other sources. And one final thing, because I know we want to wrap it up, but don't assume that if you're having problems in your pregnancy, don't assume automatically that's because of the veganism. Like pregnancy is a huge trauma on your body. Tons of things are going on. And so things are happening all the time. And, and I wouldn't first be like, oh, I can't be vegan anymore. You know, I'd really like look into it and, and decide if that were true or not, like based on my research. Well, thank you so much, Josie, for coming on and talking about your experience birthing vegan baby and the pregnancy along the way. Yeah. And thank you for sharing all those resources. We'll be sure to link them all up, all those books that you mentioned and everything in the show notes. Maybe you'll be so kind as to share a picture of you and your little. I'd be happy to. And thank you for having me. Yeah, this was awesome. It's really exciting to see right now just the explosion of vegan mamas out there. I also am a part of that Facebook group just because I'm curious, fascinated, and trying to learn as much as I can. And people are posting just every single day about um, the challenges, the successes, but just their beautiful plant-powered babies being born too. And it's a really exciting time. Yeah. And can I just say thank you to all the vegan moms who came before me and paved the way for us because you're doing this huge service for all of us. And I'm sure it was really hard, but I cannot express how deep my gratitude is. Hopefully soon we'll be in a day where doctors understand it and it's just the normal. Like the struggles that I feel like people are going through right now mostly won't be there in the future because it's just a, a kind of a lack of knowledge and understanding and resources, but that's all being created literally right now as we speak and by parents like you. Thank you, Josie. Thanks, Josie. Thank you. That was awesome. As someone who's considering having a little kiddo of my own in the near future, I found this super helpful. I adore Josie. I think she has so much wisdom to share. And I hope you all found this helpful as well. If you're interested in checking out any of the resources Josie mentioned in the episode, check out plantpoweredpodcast.com. And you can also leave us a review on iTunes, which is always really helpful. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, the next episode will be up in just two weeks. So don't forget to subscribe and we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.